All right. Well, thank you for hosting us. I see some new faces. Um, can I just see for how many of you is this your first time seeing us in front of Mindset for Missions? Yeah, good, a good number. All right. So let's, let's talk about um, who we are, first of all, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what God is doing in Burundi. I'm going to let Michelle talk first because I'm guessing that Isaiah... He's doing great with his uh, godmother, Lauren Brown, over there right now, but he might need a little more motherly attention in a minute. Stand my tippy toes. Yeah, I can turn it down. Okay, so, well, can you just introduce yourself? <laughs> I'm Carlin Wendler. I grew up at this church listening to John MacArthur since before I was born, and I'm an emergency room doctor trained I went to UC San Diego and then University of Michigan and came back here at LA County USC for training in the Knife and Gun Club. I mean, the emergency room. <laughs> so I'm Michelle. My dad was a pastor. So I grew up as a pastor's child. Um, and I'm also a music teacher. My degree was in piano performance. And I graduated from Cal State Northridge. So before I met Carlin, I taught piano and had a studio. Uh, for many years and have been able to do that in Burundi also. Surprisingly, you would think, rural Africa, are there pianos? We were able to ship a piano there and then some of the teammates have keyboards and we actually bought a keyboard for the local village musicians and we actually got a text this week asking, when is when are, they, when are you going to come back and teach us more piano? So that has been a, a joy of my heart. The church musician, who is also a nurse at the hospital, he texted me to ask when Michelle was coming back so they could do more piano lessons. We have Gabrielle, our firstborn. She was born in June 2019, and she is loving being a big sister. I asked her, what, what is your baby brother's name, Isaiah? And she says, brother. <laughs> and then Isaiah was born uh, seven weeks ago, and he is he's our little another little miracle child. We love him to death. He has a touch of colic, so that's a prayer request, just strength for the days for those who have had, who know about colicky babies. Michelle's like mixing all of our slides into one, so that's great, but do you want to talk about like why these kids are miracles a little bit? Yeah. You can. <laughs> Well, it's in, a, it's in a later slide, so we'll get to it. It'll, we'll keep you in suspense until then. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about where is Burundi? Sure. So I will point to it because it's kind of hard to see. Burundi is right here. They call Burundi the heart of Africa because if you look at it, it kind of the outline looks like a little heart. Um, it's in East Central Africa, right below Rwanda. Um, so there's 12, it's a country of 12 million people, um, souls. <laughs> And L.A. is has it's about, it's about the, the same, same size as Los L.A. Um, spread out pretty much in rural farmlands there. Um, Karuni is their native dialect. The international language is French. And then they also speak some Swahili and then English, but a small percentage speak English. Um, there's 62% uh, Catholic, 24% Protestant, and 3% Muslim. Muslim is growing, though. The population. When we when we when our team initially got to Burundi in 2013, that was one percent Muslim. So it's the fastest growing religion in Burundi, but obviously starting from a very small base. And I need to say, as you guys probably hear a lot, that 24 percent Protestant is like anything that's not Catholic, but still reads the Bible. So like Pentecostal and Adventist and like. 
probably I think they count Mormons amongst those Protestants because they're not Catholic. So it's it's a very broad swath of of that group. How much is evangelical? Probably less than a quarter of that Protestant um, tranche. Um, and that is a French word for uh, slice. Sorry, slice. <laughs> <laughs> tranche. You use it in English too, right? We you might melange the l'anglais. So the the average age is seventeen years old. The life expectancy there is 55, so it's a very young country. Um, I think I saw a graph once where like over 40 is like 5% of the population, over 70 is 0.005%, and it's just very, just you'll see young people, young babies, kids everywhere, and then, yeah, the older, older. They have one of the highest infant mortality rates in the world, though, as, as you can imagine goes along with that. And the average number of children per mother in Burundi is six. So those of you who are, you know, done with two, like, got ways to go. <laughs> and it's mostly... <laughs> I'm not signaling anything. We're not pregnant. Right he, um, so, yeah, the, mostly, it's a mostly rural country. If you were to drive around Burundi, it's mostly rolling farms, um, huts, little huts. People living kind of in small villages. Okay, why don't you take this slide? All right, so uh, talking about what we do, the there's kind of layers of the ministry that God has given us in Burundi. And so, you know, first and at the center is the church, the local church ministry. And so we're doing, basically, you guys know TMAI very well because they present a lot to Mindset. So we're doing some pastoral training, but also like elder equipping uh, because churches have lay elders too, and that's part of our goal is raising up medical missionaries from Africa to Africa. So that kind of dovetails into what we're doing at the university and with the hospital. So at the university, there's medical training and discipleship, and at the hospital, there's obviously medical care and evangelism. Um, just a, a word on that, we have between 60 and 120 conversions per month from our patient population in Burundi. So... I know you guys are all members of this like gigantic church that is Grace Community, but like 120 people is the average size of a church worldwide. And so we're talking about like every month or two, the equivalent of a new church being, being formed. And now not all of those people will, you know, some of that is the second and third type of soil, right? It's the weedy or the rocky soil and then they make a profession and fall away. But, you know, a good percentage of those people are getting plugged into their local churches when they go back home. And so that's just a, that is the Lord's work and we are grateful to be a part of it. And then I don't want to leave talking about what we get to do without saying there's some things that Michelle does in the community that she didn't mention already. So she does music education in the church. You guys already heard about that. She teaches English. She got her ESL teaching license, credential, certificate uh, before going to Burundi. So they love her for that. And then she's actually in charge, when we go back, she's in charge of this group of seamstresses that make textile, you, tell, you can tell them what they do, like they, they make purses and blouses and stuff that gets sold and that brings revenue in for these, oftentimes they're widows, so it's a way for them to, like cottage industry, keep supporting themselves. Well, I haven't actually done this yet, it's already been ongoing and I'm going to kind of come in and help take over. And, and manage, but yeah, they employ, employ often widowed women in the community, which is very hard for them to find spouses to, to provide for their kids. 
and we give them projects to do sewing for the hospital, sewing for the missionaries, and they will make make things. And um, I think they made hundreds of masks at the beginning mm-hmm. of the pandemic so that we could give every patient and every uh, family member that comes with a patient and every hospital employee masks to try to cut down. COVID actually hasn't been, at least as far as we know, a huge hit to Burundi, probably partially because of that median age of, you know, 17 and a half. So young people tend to do pretty well. Um, but we've had a few, just recently, a few employees of the hospital get COVID. We had one nurse from the emergency room died with, he was uh, in his young 30s, died of what looks like a stroke. And so there's no family history for him of stroke. So we're not sure if that was a blood clot due to COVID or or what happened in his case. But all that to say, the Lord has done some amazing things. And we, like I said, are privileged to get to be a part of it. Since 2011, when we decided to go to Burundi, we got there in 2013, um, almost 300 physicians have graduated from the medical school. And considering there were 300 doctors for the whole country at that time, uh, to be able to double that at just the, the training center that the Lord gave us is amazing. Um, they've come from all different countries uh, in our region, in East Central Africa. So um, Rwanda, Democratic Republic of Congo, Cameroon, because it's French-speaking. There's a French-speaking part of Cameroon. Um, they've sent a lot of medical students our way. And then we have some Ugandans, people from Kenya, one girl from South Africa, and there's actually a student from Haiti. Can you imagine? This, to me, is so amazing. We've got a Christian med student from Haiti who decides to go to rural Burundi for medical training, and then her goal is to get back to Haiti. But, I mean, wow. That's, it's only God can do these things, right? Um, thousands of professions of faith, like I told you, from amongst the patients at the hospital and even some of the students who've come to the university and realized they're not a believer uh, as part of that long process of discipleship. And then we have multiple new printed resources in both French and Kirundi for, the, for church strengthening. What you see right there is a picture of the copy of uh, Kirundi Fundamentals of the Faith that I gave to Pastor MacArthur when we came back. And it's signed, you can't, it gets cut off on the picture, but it's signed by all of the men who worked on the translation. Um, so it's just like, that is really dear to my heart because FOF has been uh, in my family and ministry for a long time. And so now this is what, to wit, the only Kirundi language systematic theology primer that exists. And so there's 12 million people who speak the language, right? Like it's, it's like a tool to reach Los Angeles, like you said, the same population, or the state of Maryland, I think is another analogy. So, oops. But we wanted to tell you, it's been a while since we've seen you, so we wanted to give you a quick rundown of what God has been doing in our life, because this last year has been quite unusual for us. It's probably been a totally normal year for you guys, but (laughs) for us it's been a little bit unusual. And I think we'll just, we'll just alternate slides. In January of last year, we had the immense privilege of bringing Francophone missionaries from GMI from all over the world. We've got Switzerland, France, Madagascar, came to Burundi for essentially like a Burundian Shepherds Conference. Now, it wasn't as big, but the food was quite amazing. Um, and so Rob Anthony, John Glass, and Fali Ravohangi came and they, we just had a blast together and they did such a great job of addressing these pastors and ministers in Burundi. It was a huge hit and 
Everyone loved it. In fact, they said at the end, you probably didn't need to give us that much food. And for a country that is like the hungriest in the world, so the, the Global Hunger Index puts Burundi way at the top because they can only grow enough food for about 4 million people on their terrain. Um, that to me was a big win that everybody was, they were well fed spiritually and physically. So we came back a year ago, February, for a three-week trip here to the States because Gabrielle, our firstborn, um, started to do something that kind of looked like maybe seizure activity. And in Burundi, there's no place to do EEGs, and they thought, okay, we should probably get that looked at. So we came back. We just thought we'll come back for a few weeks, get that taken care of, so we can just make sure everything's okay. And that is right when COVID hit. Who would have known that a global pandemic would happen? So... Basically, the day after her test results came in and she was signed a clean bill of health is when everything shut down. International travel, the airport in Burundi, everything. So we thought, okay, this is going to last maybe two weeks, three (laughs) weeks. So here we are, over a year later. So in March, I... I mean, we realized that we're going to be here for a while and there's a global pandemic going on. So I emailed the um, administration of the hospital where I did my training, and I said, do you need help? And they said, yes, please. So I went to work at the hospital at LA County USC in the emergency room uh, while we were stuck uh, where God wanted us to be. Um, Grace, actually, I don't know how many of you guys have have, uh, access to this information, but Grace actually made grants available to their missionaries to buy PPE during that time. And so we were able to send, like, Ten or fifteen thousand dollars of masks and face shields um, for the hospital in Burundi. So that was a, a big blessing, and we're very grateful for that. So, and while we were here, we got pregnant, <laughs> which is another little blessing for the Lord, a miracle. So, um, yeah, the doctors had given us, before we had Gabrielle, a 1% chance of conceiving naturally. And we had Gabrielle, and we thought, wow, this is our miracle baby. And then, lo and behold, God gives us two. So we are so thankful for both of them. Um, so, yeah, so this is one of the ultrasounds we had taken. Dr. Freels delivered both our babies. We're very thankful for he and his wife. Um, but, so yeah, that was a big surprise for us in June <laughs> that we got this. And in July, we celebrated five years of marriage to each other and um, just the blessings of the Lord in that. We've been, in those five years, we've lived on three continents and like, I don't know, a dozen different houses, different states, cities. We've traveled. I think five different places just this last year alone. So So the life, you know, we're kind of nomadic. But God willing, we'll have a house when we get back to Burundi where we can really implant um, my grandma went to be with the Lord in July as well, and so that was an opportunity to see like the extended family, which you know July was a little bit better for the pandemic, but still there was a lot of uh, we had to do a lot of different things to make that happen, which it was we were grateful that it worked. And then at that time, a humanitarian flight started flying once a week to Burundi with the World Food Program, and so that's when we started looking into like maybe there'd be a way to get back sooner, um, but that didn't happen until September. And by then, it wasn't a good idea for Michelle at her stage of pregnancy to be traveling. So I went by myself, which, as we'll talk about in the next slide, (laughs) might have been a disaster. Um, No, but it was good to go back. 
we were able to deliver some of those Kirundi and French resources, refresh some relationships, and get some work done on our house. Michelle, during that time, went to visit a friend and former roommate in Kansas who has a, they have a, you know, a big house in Kansas that they're remodeling so that they can host missionaries. It's really, they're being really uh, deliberate. But then something happened in October. I'm going to let you talk about that. Oh, he's going to let me talk <laughs> So I tried to call him in the morning because we usually call and, and uh, pray together. And someone else answered the phone. And I thought it was Carlin at first. And then he said, no, this is our, your team leader, Eric. Carlin has had a fall and is on the way to surgery. And he starts to describe what happened. Well, Carlin was on a ladder trying to work on our house there and had his hands full of equipment and the ladder fell and he slammed his face into tile and broke his nose in multiple places, lacerated his lip. So this is the, actually the after picture, after the surgeries, but the before picture is a We didn't want to gross you out with the before picture. <laughs> he had over 100 stitches on his face to fix it. Wow. So he lost his front teeth. So he's had he has new teeth. <laughs> and now we are just praying about um, getting his nose fixed. That would be one of our prayer requests. But you want to talk about at the hospital, like the well, doctors that stitch you up? I mean, this is like part of the reason that we're there is to develop capacity. And so when I fell, I didn't lose consciousness. I didn't knock out at any point in time. So we're grateful for that. Um, apparently the bone is really thick in this part of my head. <laughs> but I was, I was aided right away because our neighbor, I was working on our house, our new house. Uh, putting up a security light, you know, all in the name of safety, right? And smash my face. And he heard the ladder go down, and so he rushed over right away and literally gave me the shirt off his back uh, to, like, wrap my head and sort of stanch the bleeding from my two forehead wounds. Um, and that's the kind of people we work with, you know, like, this is a, a U.S.-trained surgeon. But they, took, they rushed me up to the hospital where my Burundian ER nurses put in the IV and drew my blood and got everything started for me. And then our Burundian nurse anesthetist, you know, gave me the medicine and intubated me and took care of my breathing and circulation while our two surgeons worked for like an hour and a half to, wow. to fix everything. I had, I had pushed my nose back into place right after because it's going to hurt whenever you do it, so just get it done. <laughs> but um, this, this laceration goes up into my nose, and so fortunately... God had, you know, given our surgeon uh, an opportunity to train with uh, some facial plastic surgeons doing cleft lip and palate repairs. And so he's like, yeah, I had to use all my tricks to get your face back together um, for that. So it's, but I, I want to highlight that the Burundians did the, like the first 30 minutes of everything. And so that's, you know, I'm an emergency room doctor. I say I'm, I'm good for the first 15 minutes of anything. Um, I just, I want to highlight that work that God has given us after since see, 2013, so eight years in, or seven years in at that point, the, the output is that we see excellent clinical care rendered to any patient that comes to Kibuye Hospital. And we didn't, we didn't stress this, but Kibuye Hospital, where we work, it's not in the capital city. It's not even in like the second largest city of Burundi. It's in a village of 500 people. It, it, this is the sticks. Like no, almost, I think one person has power to their home other than the missionary. Um, in our community, that's our that's our house helper because he knows how to do electricity. And he just like put a line up to the high tension line and got his house power. But you know, no one has cars. 
no one has electricity, no one has running water. They go and fetch their water. This is rural Burundi, like, and people in one of the poorest countries in the world. Right? We we didn't mention that either, but the GDP per capita of Burundi is like three hundred dollars a year. So people are living on less than a dollar a day in Burundi, and so I think it's Burundi and Malawi are fighting for the poorest country in the world, and neither one are like developing or, or moving up in the rankings very quickly. So, so this is like this is a beautiful thing to me that I got to experience the care that my patients experience, and it was good. Um, I also want to mention one, one more cool thing that God did for us in October was that we got to raise $25,000 for, uh, for grants and scholarships for the students who come after us and are going to take our places. So that's just like a little bonus, but really fun thing that God allowed that to go forward even after I smashed my face. <laughs> so that's, that's a, a picture of um, me and one of our Burundian colleagues um, running for this 5K to raise money. Oh, that's Gabrielle. Do you want okay. to talk about this one? Sure, I'm just trying to figure out. Well, why didn't you take it? Okay, so I mean, we I came back in November, and we were grateful to get to spend December together with family. We got Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's with both sides of the family. So that was a big blessing. And um, just to take stock at what God has done in 2020. Like, it was a very different year than we were anticipating. And to look forward to what he would do in 2021, the biggest blessing of which for us is Isaiah. So Isaiah was born March 1st, and he gained one pound in the first two weeks of life. So we call him Mr. Eater all the timer because he just, he's, he's going to be a big boy. But we are so thankful for him. I don't know how many of you had delivered children wearing an N95 mask, but I'm hoping that this is the last time yes. that anyone will have to do that. Not <laughs> so what does the Lord have in the future for us? We're not sure what the Lord has in the future, but we have uh, some plans. So, you know, you know, the, you know the phrase, if you uh, want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. I know, I mean, we're hoping, we're, he's opened so many doors for us to do ministry in Burundi. Our goal is to... Uh, get back there as soon as possible. And so we've already um, submitted for Isaiah's passport. So we're just waiting on that. And once he gets a passport, then we can book travel and ask for a visa. Burundi no longer lets you get your visa in the airport on arrival. So it's a little bit slower process than it was in earlier times. And yeah, so that's our plan to get back. We're anticipating that might be like June, July. We're hoping before June 13th because Gabrielle turns two June 13th. So we would, she would have to wear a mask, and we'd have to pay, pay for a plane ticket. So we're hoping, hoping it's before then. But if she has to wear a mask, you know, we'll pretend like she's wearing a mask for a little while. <laughs> if you don't know, so Gabrielle is like, you got to tell them a little bit about Gabrielle. They need context. Like, Gabrielle is, um, there's some kids that, like, sit where you put them, and then, like, if you put a mask on, they just, like, wear the mask. That's not our Gabrielle. To keep a clip in her hair right now is our big battle. <laughs> And then we could we kind of already mentioned for prayer requests. Um, I'm hoping to get my nose fixed. I saw an ENT earlier this month, and they said the good news is that we can fix it. And then the bad news was the bill they said it would cost to fix it. So um, you can pray for us. We're we're pursuing some different options for how to make that happen. God has provided all of our needs in the past, so we're trusting Him for for this one too. And like I can still breathe 
through my mouth and through my nose sometimes. So it's not like it's not like a critical, but it would be really nice. Well, he's the doctor did say it is very. She said she could get eighty to ninety percent open, so that would be nice. What, what percent do you think it is right now? I don't know. He can less sometimes than, breathe out. Less than eighty percent, I'll tell you that. <laughs> And then I think that um, if we can share just like brutally, honestly, there's some, we're, we're now eight years into the ministry in Burundi. And so there's kind of, I say there's like three phases of cross-cultural work. There's like this honeymoon phase where the missionary arrives and everyone's excited to work together and you're kind of like feeling each other out and like, you want to do this? Oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And you know, like we want to work together. And then at some point in time, like the glow kind of wears off and you're into the second phase, which is the like grinding phase of figuring out what are you good at? What am I good at? How does this work in Burundi? You know, what, where are the places for investment? What can you contribute? What should I be contributing? And you're figuring out each other's culture as well as your own competencies. And so that, if it goes well, leads to the third phase of ministry, which is everyone knows what they're doing and how to do it well. And then you just gel and things go. And hopefully you get to spend decades in phase three but it does require quite a bit of work in phase two. And I, it feels to me like we are, I thought we were coming out of phase two, but I think we're actually in the middle of phase two. So we've hit some, we've hit some um, rough patches in some relationships with nationals that has uh, been challenging, to say the least. And so if you could pray for that, that we would be wise and gracious and humble, and that our Burundian colleagues and our pastor friends and um, churchmen, that we would all have good understanding of each other. Because I think the majority of it is communication. If we can communicate well, we can collaborate well. But when it's like our third language or fourth language and their second or third language, and we come from very different worlds, there's a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong. So, and when, when he says we, we are there with a whole team oh yeah, of... Americans and Canadians. So how many families on our team now? About um, six, seven families. There's like 50 on our team. Uh, different specialties, some teachers. Um, so that we're all kind of living in community and working at this um, medical, with the medical university at the church and at the hospital. So it's, it's that, the tension between um, our team and the national partners and trying to have the same goal of accomplishing this, I think, yeah. So we're in phase two, hoping to get to phase three sooner rather than later. Um, any other prayer requests? Michelle would love if you would want to pray for Isaiah to sleep well, because <laughs> then everybody else could sleep well, and that would just be uh, a blessing. You guys, I mean, so many of you mothers know what that is like in the first several months, sometimes a year. Gabrielle is the same way. She's a wonderful sleeper now, so we know that. This too shall pass. All right, so we have a few minutes left. Um, the most fun part of presentations is usually the questions. So, does anybody have questions? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I should know this, but you said you Where are you Ah, that's a great question. We met at the missionary conference that Grace used to do, was it every other year? Or every year? Every other, every other year. Every other year. So we met in Oxnard. I was playing the piano with the band, and Carlin was there as a missionary. And we ended up talking the last night of the week. I ended up talking. They 
Michelle played a song that she had written and composed, and then she sang and played it. And after that, I was like, I got to talk to this girl right away. And by God's providence, she had put her Bible down in the seat that ended up being behind me. So when she, when the sermon was done, I turned around and we started talking. And one thing led to another, and a year later, almost a year later, we were married. He didn't tell me he was a missionary, and so no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> that's true. No, I, my dad, since my dad was a pastor, I had always a desire to be involved heavily in ministry, and I kind of always thought I'd maybe marry a pastor. Um, and I'd done a lot of missions trips, like short terms before that, but I never felt the call to go as a single person. But when he told me about what he was doing, I was just really intrigued and excited about it. But wisely, Carlin said, well, let's, let's get to know each other. And then why don't you come to Burundi and spend some time here first, just so you can kind of see what it's like. Um, so, and what did you think it would be like? Well, he painted this really rugged picture. I thought we were going to be like cooking over this pot over fire and I was slapping mosquitoes and I even brought my, my solar shower to, you know, hang under a tree to take a shower. They live in houses and we have, we have brick houses with tin roofs and running water and only occasionally do we have to He wanted me to know how rough it really was there. Beat mosquitoes So I spent about three weeks to a month with my brother came with me. And it was at the end of that trip when I got on the plane to fly home. That was the hardest part was leaving. I just wanted to stay. So that was really confirming that that was where God wanted me to be. So I thought that was a good sign. <laughs> Excellent question. Thanks, Chris. By any chance, you probably said this already, but why Burundi? Why Burundi? So that decision... Michelle, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to contribute to it, other than that she married me. Um, so we formed as a team, this group of doctors and teachers and kids, we formed as a team prior to choosing where we were going to go. So I know some missionaries are like, it has to be, you know, Brunei and, uh, you know, Brunei or bust. But for us, we were like, we want to form as a team. And so we had six different doctors. So we had an ophthalmologist, a surgeon, a med-peds doctor, so double-boarded, family medicine, OBGYN, and me, emergency medicine. And so we said we can probably go somewhere as the faculty for a med school and the clinical staff for a hospital. So we need to find a place that can absorb all of us at once. So if we went to like somewhere where nothing had been developed, it would take years before we could all be useful. So we looked around in Africa because the ophthalmologist and the surgeon are missionary kids from Africa. So for them, it had to be Africa. But one is from, grew up in Kenya and the other grew up in Togo. So those are on like opposite ends of the continent. Um, and so we looked in Africa. We had options in Chad, Madagascar, Liberia, and Burundi. And so we sent emissaries to each one to investigate. And at the end of that search, Burundi was really the only one that had a medical school that needed a faculty and a hospital that needed a clinical staff that was like already partially stood up and ready to go. So we prayed about it and then decided, okay, it's going to be Burundi. So when I, when I moved there in 2013, it was sight unseen. Like, I'm just going with the team wherever they decide to go, and it's Burundi. So we had to learn French first, which was one of the consequences. Actually, all of those countries speak French. Um, but we ended up in Burundi, and we've been there ever since. When you came to our home class and talked to our children about Burundi, 
you brought with you um, pictures of a food program that you had for the children there. Do you still have that food program? Yeah, so what you're referencing is, uh, it's called Busoma, Burundi Soy, Sorghum, and Maize. It's a three-grain blend, ironically, given the name. It's soy, sorghum, and corn, maize. And that is um, blended, it's roasted and ground and blended into like a porridge, oatmeal kind of uh, flour that we give to, we feed every patient and every family member of a patient uh, once a day they get Busoma in the hospital. And then we also do an outreach for the most malnourished families in our community. So, I mean, you can imagine, I, you can imagine the weight of being a mother unable to provide enough food for your kids. So 60% of kids in Burundi are stunted, meaning they didn't get enough calories or protein during their first five years of life. So they will never, they can't catch up after five years. So they won't reach their full intellectual or physical potential. So Burundians tend to be a little bit shorter and their IQ is a little bit less than it would otherwise be if they could get enough food. So this is just, um, it's been going on for longer than us even. It was there before we got there. This outreach. How many, do you remember the numbers? How many per week? There's at least 120 families, I think, that come every week to get, their kids get weighed and measured, and if they have, like, chronic wounds and stuff, then we'll do wound care and take care of that. And then they go home with a bunch of busoma and eggs, because eggs are a great source of protein. But it's so neat, because they come, and they get a gospel presentation, and they sing together, and then they, then they get the food that they can take home. So it's just kind of a beautiful outreach to the community. And some people walk from long ways away to be able to get the food. Thanks for, um, for bringing that up. Yeah, so one of the classes here, the kids raised money to give to this program so that these kids could have food. Yes, ma'am. Um, I That's a really good question. I'm, I'm trying to think of specific instances where I know the, like I know the religion of patients, especially the women, because they'll come in and, you know, in hijab, they have a scarf on. But I'm trying to think of instances where they've converted while they're under my care. And I don't know that I can think of that right now. They are, they are like I always said, it's, it was 1% of the population when we got there, and it's just under 3% right now. So I don't know that I would say most of the converts are coming from Islam. I think more of them are coming from like churches that aren't like cultural. It, the Catholicism of Burundi is a lot like the Catholicism of Latin America, where it's just blended up with whatever was there before the Catholic missionaries arrived. So you can be a witch doctor and a Catholic, you know, um, the altar person, the person who does like the altar work at the same time. So it's, it's very syncretistic on that side. So I would say that's the majority of our converts are coming out of that sort of syncretistic background rather than from Islam thus far. But hopefully we'll have an impact. Islam in, at Kibuye doesn't have hardly any inroads. It's all the, the big cities that have a mosque right now. So sorry to disappoint. That's not, that's not just not part of our experience yet. I think, yeah, you've had your hand up a couple times. Thank you. So I think your team members and you met in medical school. Yeah. But couple questions. I mean, only God could put together guys and gals from every different um, specialty, right? I mean, you've got six doctors with six different 
friends, and you all became friends, and all decided to team up together. And are they all there? So yeah, everyone's still there. It's um, it is very unusual, yeah. and it would have. To, now that you mention it like that, I, I think about it. It would have to happen in med school because once you're into residency, yeah, you're, you're all, all the same. Like everyone's an OBGYN or everyone's a surgeon. So, so it was a blessing. Yeah, you know, it just happened randomly <laughs> as if there's like some higher power coordinating all events and moving people around. Um, yeah, so it's definitely a big blessing to be a part of that team. We will be saying goodbye to the ophthalmologist who in my heart is like the, the one of the cornerstones. He's the missionary kid from Togo. He was the one who recruited me to go to the University of Michigan where I met the rest of these people. Uh, and they have just done... Yeoman's work in Burundi and his uh, his vision for eye care is even bigger than what we're able to do at Kibuye. So he's going to be, they're taking a furlough and then they're going to go back and probably build an eye hospital, either a, a boat, a floating eye hospital on the lake in Burundi, Lake Tanganyika, one of the great lakes of Africa, or he'll do something somewhere else, we'll see. But yeah, so th thus far we've all been together for this whole time, which is a blast. Well, thank you so much. I think Alex needs to come dismiss us and yes. pray. Yes, and before you go, since we're speaking about the providence of God and your circumstances, tell them how long it took you from your fall to when you were on the emergency oh. table operating table. Oh. Because remember, this is rural Burundi, and he just happens to serve at a hospital and just happens to serve with surgeons who know cleft palates and everything like that. And tell them how many minutes it took. I think it was less than an hour. I mean, I could not have gotten this level of care in America, yeah. honestly, because the, just the transport time to get in an ambulance and get to the hospital and then and the to go through the rigmarole and all that stuff. Like, And you guys are going to love this. This is the part you haven't heard. You know how much that visit costs? Six dollars. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even reimburse through insurance. I was just like, I'll just pay the six. A hundred sutures, an hour and a half of OR time, two surgeons, six bucks. Praise the Lord, huh? A lot cheaper than this. <laughs> well, and on top of that, by people who love you so and are grateful to serve with you. So. Yes, that you train. Well, we're going to go ahead and pray for the Wendlers. You guys are welcome to stay right here. Let's go to the Lord and, and rejoice over what he's done. Lord, we are so grateful. When we think about how you have already used Carlin and Michelle and the rest of their team in Burundi, and even just recounting again, Lord, your incredible sovereignty and your wonderful providence, how you allow us, your children, to be a part of the wonderful just incredible blessings that you are planning for people, Lord. We thank you for using their team to establish this hospital and this um, university, Lord, so that they can learn how to be godly doctors and nurses to equip them, Lord, to go into the country, Father, and to serve you as they meet people's physical needs as well as try to also attend to their spiritual needs, God. We thank you so much for bringing Carlin and Michelle together, Lord. We thank you for the just unfathomable gifts, Lord, of Gabrielle and Isaiah for all the providential, Lord, care that you have given to each of them, Lord, and protecting them and providing, Father, for each of their deliveries. And we thank you, Lord, even now for providing for Carmen and Michelle throughout this year and so much uncertainty for so many of, obviously, the world, but specifically our missionaries, especially during this time, God. We thank you for allowing them to to be here and enjoy the family times, to get to know relatives for the children, Lord, and to spend 
sweet time are counting, Lord, all your wonderful provisions for them. Lord, we especially think back to this year of Carlin's fall, and God, how we rejoice in all the infinite ways, Lord, you really just had your hand in the details of caring for Carlin, Lord. We thank you so much for his team, for the manner in which, Lord, they are so equipped by your grace, Father, to know how to care for patients, to um, just be able to provide for Carlin, and Father, that his sweet wife was cared for here, Lord, while that was going on, and she was able to have the confidence in knowing that he was in good hands. And Lord, we also just pray, Father, for all the team there right now. We know that there are um, challenges and struggles, Lord, in every situation because we are still sinners, Lord. You're only working with sinners on earth. So we pray even on missions teams and on um, and church teams, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to humble and grow the men and women that you are working with in Burundi, Lord. We ask that you would um, just cause them, Lord, to be humble above all else, Lord, to look to Christ as their model, to be unified with one purpose, one spirit, one love, that they can be um, just most effective for your kingdom there, Lord. And so, Father, we pray that you give them grace and how to communicate and how to uh, prefer one another and also wisdom and how to know what not to compromise on Lord. And so we pray for grace in those moments, and we do especially pray that you would provide for the runners to be able to get back to Burundi soon. We thank you for how you've sustained the team through a very difficult year, Lord, uh, not many breaks and not having a lot of uh, resources to um, kind of sustain and refill them, Lord, and yet, God, again, in all these ways you have provided and we ask, Lord, that you would continue to use Carlin and Michelle for wonderful, wonderful blessings for the team, Lord, as well as for the community, for the village, Lord, and for all the ways that they impact the people who come through those hospital doors and through the university doors, Lord. We praise you for all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen.